All right. 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. We'll start there. And they're going to talk to, about Elisha the call. We won't get all the way through uh, with this lesson tonight. But <clears throat> God works here in chapter 19. You will see that Elijah is... Uh, First part of the chapter is one that we studied. His, he was <clears throat> under the juniper tree. And then verses 9 through 6, 18, he goes, he's underneath. Uh, he's in a cave and he hears the still small voice. And when he's in the cave, God tells him something. He gives him some instruction regarding some prophecy that God was telling him what was going to take place in Israel. And then also the next man that would follow after him, being Elisha. Being Elisha. So, let's begin reading in verse number 16, and we'll read all the way through 21. Now, understand, the Lord is speaking to him, the Lord is speaking to Elijah in the cave. Verse 16, if you want to tie the context in, we'll go ahead and read verse 15. And the Lord said unto him, Go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest... Anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. So this is he's telling him what to do when he gets back. Verse 16. And Jehu the son of Nimeshai shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha the son of Shaphat of, of Abel Mahalah shalt thou anoint to be the prophet in thy room. So right there we see God telling Elijah... Elisha is the next man to follow you. It's pretty interesting that God told Elijah who the next man was going to be, but God didn't tell Elisha that he was going to be the next man. It's pretty interesting, but, but let's continue to read, and we'll, we'll read the story, how Elijah goes to Elisha. Verse 17, And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay, uh, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left my seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which thou which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which which hath not kissed him. So there were still there were seven thousand followers of the Lord still at this time, and so this is he's setting all this up. He's telling what's going to take place, and now he goes to Elisha. Now he goes to the place where Elisha is at. Um, Elijah does. And so he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with the twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelve. And Elijah passed by and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen. Now, who left the oxen? Elisha left the oxen. And ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my mother and my father, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, uh, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. So here's the call. Can you imagine this? The receive. Let's first of all let's look. Uh, let's look at this. What uh, 
Elisha was a young man. It gives us three verses of Elisha's following or the calling of Elisha to go with Elijah. It's a lot better, a lot more information regarding Elisha's call compared to Elijah's call because Elijah came on the scene and the Bible says he's the son of Tishbite. I heard he's the son or he's right there, boom, and he's right in front of Ahab immediately. So it gives us a little bit more of information about him. So let's look at the receiver of the call, okay? So what job did he have? He was a hard-working farmer. And verse number 19, So he departed thence and found Elisha, who was plowing with the twelve yoke of oxen. Now, I don't know. I've never necessarily plowed with oxen, but I have tried to use a tiller, and a tiller is pretty hard to use at some point if you're dealing with hard ground. I can't imagine what it is like using an ox, using an ox out there plowing the ground. But not only did he have one ox, how many ox did he have? He had 12 yoke of oxen. So he was a pretty big farmer. To use 12 yoke of oxen, he was pulling pretty good plow behind him, wouldn't you say? And so he was a, he was a big farmer. Not only was he a big farmer, but his dad owned a pretty good piece of property for him to be doing and using 12 yoke of oxen. Wouldn't you say? Man, that's, that's a pretty hard job. Using out, yeah, go ahead. Uh huh. Plowing behind an ox. Plowing behind an ox. <laughs> Your grandma. My grandma, my my my, uh, my daddy's mom. Yes, my, my daddy's mom. That's awesome. You got a picture of with the harness and everything around mm-hmm. her shoulders and walking behind a plow with the oxen pulling it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I. You know, it's hard for me to visualize because yeah. I work with horses and mules mm-hmm. and everything in the field, but twelve. And yeah. That's, that's a lot. Well, it has to be a massive plow. Yes. More than one hook, more than one one drive, more than one hole. Yes. Uh, you know, making multiple 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 spots to to uh, to uh, plant in. You know, yes. multiple spots. Yeah. So I, I look at it and I'm like, man, this guy is dealing with a lot of a lot of weight. I mean. Not only is he a farmer, but that's hard work. That is hard work. It's not like, I mean, not nothing like it would be today. I mean, you've got to keep your eye on the plow and keep your eye going forward. You can't take your eyes off and look back. You know, you've got to keep, especially dealing with 12 of them, you've got to be working hard. I mean, this, he, and he was in his youth. He was, he was a young guy. The Bible says in, in Lamentation, Chapter 3 and verse number 27, he said, It is good for a man that he bear the yoke of his youth. Do you know what he was doing? He was working for his daddy in his youth out there spending his sweat and tears and even blood out there on the field pulling, getting those 12 oxen to go. I mean, a hard work. Good, good that he was doing that. So who was the receiver of the call? Elisha. Now, Eli, or the, if you break down his name on the meaning, Eli is, is God, El Elohim, uh, and Shah, Elisha, is a representation of salvation. And so his name means God is salvation. So this, this, here he comes on the scene. We have Elijah, 
coming to Elisha, and Elisha is bringing God is salvation. Is there any other salvation given among men? No, there's not, other than God being the answer for salvation. So we see what job he had, who it was that God called, and then where did God call him from? Uh, I can't really say the name of that town that he was from. Uh, I'm not exactly for sure how to pronounce that name of that town. But that town, A- Abel, however you say that, I'm sorry. Meloha. It's not Nederland. No, it's not Nederland. That's for sure. This, this name of this town, they, uh, from what I've read, they don't know exactly where this town is at or where it would be placed on a map. But they do know the reference to this town. If you remember back in the book of Judges, there was a a judge named Gideon. Gideon had 300 men. And he stood on the sides. And those men, the men that they defeated of the Midianites, those men were from that town. So these Midianites were from the hometown of Elisha. And so here it is, a few years later, after Gideon has died, that here is Elisha in that town, which I cannot pronounce, and he is living there in, the, in, the, in Midianites, or with the Midianites there, but his name being named, God is Salvation. Now how much truer, how much better could it be that he would be living in that town, And being raised in that town in which Gideon had the battle won and God saw the victory and God made the victory and then that his son or the son of someone was born and they named him Elisha to be God is salvation. No other, no other, uh, no, no greater name to be named that. (coughs) So we see the receiver verse 16. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, and then he goes out, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat. Elisha, the son of Shaphat. If you were to name Elisha, I would say that you would name him the miracle prophet. He was followed immediately as soon as he, uh, he got put on the scene. He began to do a miracle. His first miracle was as soon as Elijah left. I mean, immediately he turned around. And uh, he crossed the Red Sea, or crossed the Jordan, I'm sorry. And, and immediately he went to work and did miracles. One miracle after another. And that was the life of Elisha. So we see the receiver of the call. Number two, we see the reveal of the call. How did God reveal this to? Number one, we see the message in which God revealed. Look in verse number 16. And go back, and you understand God is revealing his message to who? Elijah. So Elijah was going to tell the message to Elisha. Now you say, what does that have to do with me? There are many times the preacher is given something from God to give to you. Now, I've always thought about this, and in my mind I've always thought about this. What if I decided to stay home... And my kid was supposed to get saved that night at church. What if? What if I decided to just skip church because I felt like it? I missed something that God had planned for me. You know, and, and as I look at this, this message was specifically given to Elijah to give to Elisha. And I believe that God gives message to God's man 
for specific people. And I don't know, and I'm not saying I'm all-knowing and all that kind of thing, but there was a couple weeks ago, uh, I was talking, I preached this sermon, I don't know, I can't remember the sermon I preached, and there was someone who, who called me after church and told me, they said, that sermon was exactly what I needed. You know what? And I'm not trying to brag or pat myself on the back, but I didn't go out there and look. You know, I've heard preachers say, you know, I, I base all my messages on what's going on at my church. Look, I don't base any of my messages on what's going on at the church. What I try to do is try to let the Lord lead me. And if so happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But God leads. I try my best not ever to say, all right, this situation's going on, so I need to preach on that. I try not to do that, ever. Because I know that I could, I, I have flesh, I'm a man. I, I, no, that's wrong. I feel like that's wrong. It is. That's my opinion. And so I try to allow the Holy Spirit to use me to speak to people. And it so much encouraged me that that, that person told me, man, that sermon was for me. Because God does give the preacher. The word sometimes. And it's specifically for you. I've been set and I've go ahead, what was he gonna say? Well sometimes that we counsel with people and they're like, I pray messed up, show me something or do something for me, but then they don't come to church. And I'm like, you know, you're praying for God to give you something and the preacher prays for God to give them something for the people and you might just be missing it because you're not coming to church. You know? Right. 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 Go ahead. and everything. He said, 
Did you tell him anything? <laughs> I said, I would never betray you that way. Amen. But he got saved that Sunday Amen. <clears throat> but the message was for him. And if he would have been here that, that Sunday morning, he'd have missed out on something. That's right. It's true. The message and everything. But he thought I had talked to Brother Will about. Yeah. I said, I would never betray you that way. God to give Brother Will the message and everything, just like he gives you the message right. and everything. For him. Right. <clears throat> he got saved. His family was put back together. His wife got saved. His son got saved. Amen. Yeah. So it was just all because of a guy who showed up to go to church and hear the message. That's right. And he heard the message. That's good. And it his family. God put his family back together. Amen. They got in church and everything, and you know, but, uh, it's good. It uh, all, all his family got saved. Amen. And his niece came over here one one Sunday morning. She got saved. Amen. You know, so he had an effect and everything, just not just his family. Oh yeah. His immediate family, but other family members also. You That's know? right. That's right. <clears throat> but if God gave the preacher the word to preach. Amen. And that's why it's so important as a preacher to be where I need to be. Because Elijah was where he was supposed to be. Exactly. He was in that he was in that secret cave by himself, and God told him something he needed to know. And that's why it's important as a preacher to be where I need to be, and that's in with God. And to make sure that I get what I need so that I can give to what everyone needs. Because if I'm not where I need to be, I can't give to the church and the people what they need. Well, I just remember there was a time, it's been several years ago, that we, it was revival time at Fellowship in Arkansas, and our church was really going through some really specific, hard things. And we had a man who was coming in to preach, he was there for a week, and the sermons he preached were literally the exact things that our church was going through. And it's almost like someone told him exactly what was going on in the church. And it was just because he, and right. he had actually come off of a 40-day fast. He had been fasting and praying, and God told him what we need as a church because our church was really struggling. And but he got preaching. We're all just sitting there. I mean, it was almost silent in the church because we're all just like, how did he know that this is what right. happened? Right. And it's not because anybody told him anything. I mean, he right. just came into town that morning. It was just because God had given that to him right. because we needed that as a church. God gave him that message. And then that man was there to hear it. But there, that's, I mean, I've never seen, I mean, there's been times where I know the message for me, that specific problem with the church-wide thing, right. like, I've never seen anything like that before. It's just, right. It was just amazing. Amen. But that's why it's important, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, okay? But that's why it's important to be in your place. Exactly. And that's why it's important as a pastor to be in my place. Exactly. And being in the Word. Because the Bible says in the book of Acts, in chapter number 7, the reason they, they decided to get, the reason they needed deacons was so that the preacher could give himself to the Word that's right. and, the, and the study of the Word. And uh, that's my job, is to study the Word. Uh, you know, I don't know that I ever completely understood it. It's been, I don't know, five, six years ago, we were sitting down talking, well, what do you pay the preacher for? What do you pay him for? It's to feed the flock. You don't pay the preacher to go make visits. You don't pay the preacher to go soul in. You don't pay 
the preacher to do any of that. You pay the preacher to feed the people. Right. And if I'm not doing my job, if I'm not getting where I need to be and getting the message from God, then I'm doing an in injustice to every single person who decides to walk through those doors. Yep. And then we are doing an injustice when we come through the doors and don't expect God to give us something. That's right. A lot of times when we expect God to give, He does. And we don't come in ready, He don't. Well, if we come in distracted, yep. our minds on everything else, and then we're going to miss it. Even if He had it for us, we, we may miss it because we're not paying attention, we're not ready for it. Yep. So we may be here, but we've got to be here mentally, mentally and physically, not just the way I see it, Brother Trent, God will will be done. Right. Whether you and I are involved in it That's right. or not. Amen. But I have a responsibility just like you have a responsibility. And if we don't do what our, our job and everything, our responsibility that we have, we will pay the price. That's right. And not only I will pay the price, but my kids, our grandkids, and everything down the line. That's right. They pay the price of something that I, I didn't do for God. And it was my job to do the job right. for God. Right. Right. You know, there's a lot there's a lot that goes on, a lot of responsibility for the preacher, for the deacon, for even for the members of the church. Amen. The members of the church got responsibilities. Oh, yeah, they do. Just like the, the, the deacon and the preacher. Right. The responsibility is not as, uh, what's the word that I want to use? Uh, uh, don't, don't, don't have as much responsibility as the, the church right. member, <coughs> but they, the members have responsibility. That's right. They do. And where they are. That's right. That's right. They, you know, and, and, and it's important that we're there, even even I think, it, I, I believe this as well, we can apply this to the message we hear from the preacher, but I also think it also the message we hear from God. Yeah. It's because we need to make sure, even ourselves, even if you're not the preacher, you need to make sure that you get a message from God on a daily basis. And the only way you get it. And the only way you're going to get it is out of that word. And you can't get it outside of that word you know, it, it, you can get a message from a preacher and from a message, but ultimately you need, you need, every Christian, and no matter, regardless of how old they are, regardless of, of how, whatever they are, they need a message from God. And Elijah was in the right place at the right time, and God gave him the message. And then now, as well, this too, as a preacher... I've got to tell the message regardless of who I think that it will hurt or regardless of who I, I, you know, I want to be friends with everybody. But I know that there's going to be a time I'm going to preach on a sin and it may take somebody off and may make somebody mad. But regardless of whether I, I want to or not, it's my responsibility to tell the message. I mean, hom homosexuality is still sin and it's still wrong. And it doesn't matter who's sitting in the crowd and it doesn't matter who, who's doing what or whatever. It's still wrong. And sin is still wrong, and it always will be. And the message that I have to preach is still the message that needs to be preached all the time. To repent of your sin. That's right. That's repent. right. Repent. And be saved. That's right. Yeah. That's right. 
That's the gospel. And that's the message that can never change. No, absolutely. But you know, that's right. here was that it was where God told him to be. That's right.